Hi, everyone. Chuck Adica here for a Healthier Michigan podcast. For the next few episodes, we'll be bringing you conversations from the Mackinac Policy Conference. This year, the conference is exploring three pillars for reimagining a healthy Michigan. We thought it would be a great opportunity to talk to attendees about the hurdles they've overcome in the past 18 months and what they're doing to positively impact the health of Michiganders. We hope you enjoy these bonus episodes. Today we'll be talking with Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan President and CEO Dan Lepp, co-founder of Impact 100 Oakland County, Amy Lepp, CEO of the Michigan Health and Hospital Association, Brian Peters, Senior Vice President of Public Affairs and Communications for the Michigan Health and Hospital Association, Ruth Ann Sutterth, and the Regional Chief Executive Officer for the American Red Cross of Michigan, Mary Lynn Foster. So we're joined by Dan Lepp, President and CEO of Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan, and Amy Lepp, co-founder of Impact 100 Oakland County. It's good to see both of you. Good to see you as well, Chuck. Uh, it's nice to be uh, in a place where we can see other people and be close to them again, right? Yeah, Chuck, you're right. It's been yeah. two years almost. I know. Isn't that wild? So we wanted to spend a few minutes today and talk philanthropy, servant leadership, something close to both of your hearts, and the uh, Lepp family is involved with so many great causes. And Dan, I know giving back to the community in general is important for the family, right? Yeah, no doubt, Chuck. I mean, we've been blessed. And I think when you've been blessed, a lot of should be expected of you in the sense of giving back to your community. And the uh, LEP Foundation has just recently given the De La Salle Collegiate a gift of $1 million, right? Can you explain what that's all targeted for? Yeah, I went to De La Salle, as did my brothers, back when De La Salle used to be across the street from City Airport. Wow. Um, so a proud pilot, huh? A, a proud pilot a long time ago. Now yeah. they're they're in Warren, and Amy and I went there, oh, I don't know, it's probably six months ago to take a look, because we sort of feel strongly that you just don't hand somebody money. There should be a purpose behind it. Mm -hmm. And what we found, and Amy can talk about her experience at Eaton Academy, where she chairs the board, that if you can give an opportunity to kids that are just on the cusp, if you can give them a nudge of learning of those things they find difficult, and if you can give them individual tutoring and that really they get a great opportunity. And so what we contributed this to what is called the Pilot Center, which basically is individual tutoring on subjects of whatever's happened in these kids, whether it's math, whether it's English, whether it's science, and to give them individual tutoring that can help them through, in this case at De La Salle as a college prep high school, that if you didn't, maybe you fall through the cracks. And so, you know, we think that we can impact 20 or 30 freshman students a year in getting that hand up so then when they go in their sophomore and junior and senior years that they've been prepared and they're ready and then they can move on to college or whatever that is. And so it's exciting. The school's excited about it. We had a, it was nice, it was an all-school mass where 600 kids were there and <laughs> They were better dressed than I ever was in high school. <laughs> and so it was really a neat day. And, and I think we're making a difference, which is what we're trying to do as a foundation, as a family foundation. Well, it sounds like a big difference you're making. And Amy, you're, in, you're engaged in so many different philanthropic causes and volunteerism through Southeast Michigan. 
Among them is Impact 100, right, Oakland County, and you serve as president of the Board of Trustees at Eaton Academy. Can you tell us about both of those organizations? Absolutely. So a friend of mine and I started our Impact 100 Oakland County. We're in our sixth year now. And it is a global organization, but we've started one in Oakland County, and it's a basically a giving circle. So we have every year have given away starting our first year 100,000 and we've gone up from there. So we've given about 1.4 million dollars away in Oakland wow. County so far. Yeah, it's been a great experience. We are about to announce our five finalists for the grants for this coming year. Mm-hmm. So we're continuing to make progress and look forward to giving back to our community again. And the Eaton Academy, tell us a little bit about that. That too is a school for different learners. And mm-hmm. we found out about that because of my stepson and obviously Dan's son. Um, so he went there and it was very life-changing, I know, for our family. And we hear that every year when we go back yeah. to their annual event and hear that how it changes lives because it you know, when you have a child who is a different learner and has some challenges, it impacts the family overall. So it's been a great experience as well, wonderful school, and have enjoyed continuing to be part of that. And also you work closely with the Children's Trust Fund, where you serve as chair, right? Yes. So what's that about? So that is a really interesting organization. There's a base trust fund that has been set up by the state. So that provides a certain portion of the finances for the organization. But then we also have federal funds that come in as well as fundraisers. So we have a relationship with every county in the state of Michigan. So it's a statewide organization to prevent child abuse and neglect. So I'll tell you what, being a private pilot... Uh, and hearing what you're saying, you're both sitting in the co-pilot seats right next to these kids, right? I mean, you are touching lives with all that you're doing. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, and it does, it's making a difference. And uh, Eaton's uh, kind of an interesting place because you have kids that if they're in a, in a normal system and they're different learners, this is dysgraphia, dyslexia, mm-hmm. uh, pretty significant ADHD, they feel almost like failures and this is a school because the class sizes are 10 and less that again it's that individual touch mm-hmm. that can make a difference with these kids and when you see them when they're seniors in high school kids coming back that are now veterinarians are teaching are doing yeah. various things because they've been given the self-confidence in learning you know it's not perfect but the successes are phenomenal as amy said when we go back every year to their huge fundraising event Every time you talk to a new parent, how it fundamentally changed the family. Because when you have a child that's really struggling, that impacts everybody in the family. And uh, the fact that you can give that hand up and help not only impacts that child, but impacts the family. Well, thanks for all that you both are doing in so many different ways. Dan and Amy Lepp, good to see you both. Thanks, John. Good to see you. And now, President and CEO of Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan, Dan Lepp, and CEO of the Michigan Health and Hospital Association, Brian Peters. Well, we're joined now by uh, Daniel Lepp, President and CEO of Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan, and Brian Peters, the CEO of Michigan Health and Hospital Association. Good to see both of you. Thank you so much. Yeah, good to have Scott, you here. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Great. Well, we've got big announcements everywhere. Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan and the MHA have partnered together to advance safety in Michigan hospitals through the MHA Keystone Center. And last week, Dan, I know there was a big announcement about an extension of the partnership with an additional financial contribution. What's that all about? Well, you know, we've been working together with the MHA and the Keystone Center for almost a dozen years. And 
It's been a great partnership. We've renewed it, a new $5 million grant to Keystone. They really make a difference. You know, uh, patient safety is really a number one focus of both the MHA and the Blues, and it really does make a difference. It does two things. One, obviously benefits the patient because you feel safer that statistically a lot of programs that put people in a better place, but it also impacts the cost of healthcare. So it's a yeah. win across the board. So we, we have Michigan's kind of unique. We um, work very well with physicians, with hospitals, not that we don't disagree once in a while, but we really do work well together. And Brian, uh, you know, Dan touched on this idea of how it impacts people directly, but talk about some of those direct impacts with the Keystone Center and residents. Well, there's no question that the support that Dan and and Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan have provided uh, has created a real win-win. And the most important part of that is, as you alluded to, is the uh, the impact on people. And we have seen over the course of time a reduction in both mortality and morbidity, meaning people have shorter hospital stays and they don't die from medical error uh, to the same degree that they traditionally would before these interventions where we have implemented evidence-based best practice, scaled that up across the entire state so that every hospital, large and small, can do the right thing every time And we've seen the impact, as Dan said, not only for the wellness of the patient so they can return more uh, rapidly to their their family, their loved ones, but also from a healthcare cost perspective, when you reduce a length of stay, when you reduce the instance of hospital readmissions, you are saving cost as well. And everyone is aligned around that priority. There's no question. Well, Dan, you know, Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan does so many great things, but when you see this direct impact at the Keystone Center, there's a reason for the commitment, right? I mean, you're actually seeing results. Absolutely. When you look at the metrics, there's no doubt that the programs that have been put together make a difference. They are saving lives. They're impacting the sort of the economics of healthcare as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, what I like even more about it, and Brian alluded to that, is that this is not just about big hospital systems. I mean, you can go to the UP, you can go to Southwest Michigan, you can go to the Thumb. All these programs impact all these hospitals, big, middle, and small, and it's that commitment to everybody. And uh, I think that's, you know, it goes over and beyond the big guys, so to speak. It really plays to everyone and citizens across the state. And Brian, do you have a quick story about a face or a family that you can point to a success story that would kind of bring this home for us? Well, absolutely. There are many stories where, for example, we have a young mother who would come into a hospital, and because of the work that Blue Cross has supported via the Keystone Center, we are doing a much better job every time of monitoring that young woman's health Hmm. throughout the pregnancy so that at the end of the day, we're able to identify potential risk factors at an earlier stage and intervene so that when that mom delivers her baby, we're maximizing the health outcome for mom and baby alike. Which is the future then, That's with the that future. child in mind too. yeah, Without question. And yeah. so, you know, the other issue I would point to here 
and it's very specific in this new support from Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan, is a focus on healthcare worker safety. And so we could tell mm. you about the frontline caregivers who unfortunately have been dealing with instances of violence in the, uh, the workplace, in hospitals, in clinics, and other healthcare settings. And we are already on a path, and Blue Cross support is going to escalate this effort to make sure that they are protected, that they have a safe environment every single day so that they feel safer, they can deliver better outcomes. And that they're there for us, right? We want to make sure they're there. Is that how all the things we're hearing both of you talk about? You're measuring impact in so many great ways. Yeah, absolutely. And it is all about the patient. It's all about the employees. Yeah. And, you know, we're making a difference. And that's, Brian would tell you this, that people around, when I talk to my fellow Blues CEOs, they know the kind of work that's going on in Michigan and the collaboration that's going on. And they're always asking about it, and I know you get that as well. Well, there's no question about it. And, you know, I really want to thank Dan for his leadership. I know since he became CEO at Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan, he has consistently lifted up the MHA Keystone Center as a national model. And, in fact, it is exactly that. We have been studied by other states and, in fact, by other countries who have attempted to replicate this special relationship that we've developed right here in the state of Michigan. And the data that we've collected over time is crystal clear in terms of the progress that we've made. And that's why this return on investment is so solid and hopefully will continue into the future. Well, congrats. Much success on future relationship. And uh, Brian Peters, Dan Lepp, good to see both of you. Thanks, Thanks, Chuck. Thank you so much. Next up is the Senior Vice President of Public Affairs and Communications for the Michigan Health and Hospital Association, Ruth Ann Sutterth. So we're joined now by Ruth Ann Sutterth, who's the Senior Vice President, Public Affairs and Communications for the Michigan Health and Hospital Association. It is great to see you. It's great to be back. Thanks for having me. Yeah, isn't it nice to be back? It to is. To say that out loud? It sure is. It's yeah. nice to see faces and chat with people and get caught up. It's yeah. great to be here. So tell everybody what MHA does so we understand. Sure. So the Michigan Health and Hospital Association has been around now for over 100 years, and we advocate for hospitals and health systems and the patients that they serve. Our mission is to advance the health of individuals and communities, and that means both providing services to those who are sick and injured, all the way to getting engaged in community efforts that actually improve health so that they never have to come to the hospital. And so we work in all of those spaces and and have been doing so for decades now. So then how are you reaching the people who you don't want to get to the hospital? (laughs) I mean, because that was, that's an interesting conversation. How do you get to someone before, you know, before right. I mean, you know, I'm on the edge of diabetes or something, mm-hmm. but maybe I didn't even know it, or maybe I just found out. Am I a likely candidate for you to try to get to me before? Absolutely. Yeah. So our members, and every hospital in Michigan is a member of the MHA okay. voluntarily, and so we work with them to help promote programs that are really aimed at preventive health. And that Hmm. means nutrition programs, it means pre-diabetes education, it means funding walking paths and areas for free community exercise uh, in areas of need. So every hospital does an assessment in their community every three years. That's part of the Affordable Care Act now. And so they know really what's in need, you know, what their communities need to improve health on the front end and so that they don't have to come to the hospital, hopefully, when an illness gets you know, advanced or chronic. So yeah. investments like that happening all over the state. Well, and that's such a great way to look at this because you don't want to wait until 
it could be something like um, hypertension, right? Absolutely. I mean, in my own family, I remember my late dad used to have issues with salt. And yep. I would say, Dad, did you drink your water? I mean, it literally got that basic. Yes, absolutely. But if you're able to get to people before, well, then you don't have the bigger problems later. Yeah, hospitals have really taken on a different role in the last couple of decades in being community educator about yeah. health uh, and not just illness. And so that's been an important shift in their mission. And what's in it for the hospital then to do that? Well, they're mission driven. And so yeah. what's in it for them is that they're able to provide these other services and keep their doors open. And, you know, obviously they still need to be there in case of emergencies and for folks who need care, sure. you know, despite their best efforts. But they are mission driven organizations. And so that's really, uh, you know, they can't have the capacity to provide those services when someone's really sick if everyone is sick. So they need people in their communities to be healthy so that they can take care of those in need when they do need to come to the hospital. And aren't we living through that time now? I mean, you're, sure you're talking about it. If you would have said this two years ago, we would have thought, well, that's someday. Let's hope that never comes. But it came. It right? did. And we're still in it. We're living yeah. in it right now. And it's more important than ever for people to take care of themselves because uh, if they do get COVID, we know that having comorbidities um, and other types of illnesses put you at higher risk for mm -hmm. severe COVID. And so we are on the train of urging vaccinations and asking people to take care of themselves and eat healthy and get their flu shot. You know, all of these things yeah. can help you and the hospital make sure that, you know, the care is there when you need it. Is that part of your mission with MHA as you carry forward now as we hope we're coming out of COVID that getting that messaging out that being healthy in advance is going to give you some level of protection? You know, I think so. That's been part of our conversation this entire yeah. time. But I think people are realizing that the more they can do to make sure their immune system is in good shape and they're healthy, you know, you might still get COVID, but you have a better chance of not getting severe COVID and staying out of the hospital. I had it. And I'm hopeful that because I'm going, you know, 10,000 steps a day and doing mm -hmm. what was right, I look back and I think, well, Maybe that did help. I absolutely think so. And yeah. I'm so glad that you're sitting here and healthy me today. Too. Yeah, That's me great. too. So talk about the outcomes for the organization as you look forward now. If we're coming out of this, it would seem to me that with the hospitals, all hospitals you're working with, what may stick is this notion of, well, we may have come out of COVID, but there's always the next thing or your own personal health to get on top of, right? I mean, the, does the message change as we come out of COVID? You know... For our members, coming out of COVID is still a ways off mm -hmm. because the reality is right now that we are very short-staffed and we're having a hard time providing the type of care that everyone needs right now because um, not just COVID, but people are coming into the hospital for all sorts of things that they neglected during the first year of the pandemic. And so that's catching up with people. So going forward, we are very focused on health and wellness, absolutely. Making sure people get their kids caught up on vaccinations. Unfortunately, we're falling behind again in that area. We are focused on rebuilding the healthcare workforce. Mm. They are emotionally and physically and mentally exhausted. And um, it's time to take care of the caregivers. And so that's a major focus going forward for us. And so is behavioral health for everybody in the community. We're putting mm. a renewed effort behind uh, improving access to services for substance use, for opioid abuse, for 
behavioral health treatments of all kind, especially in the adolescent area. We're definitely short um, caregivers for kids in psychiatric care. So those are really our focus areas going forward. Mm. And through all of that, we're putting a health equity lens. It's more important than ever. We've learned through COVID um, to make sure that people are getting the care that they deserve for the right reasons at the right time. And so all of that work will be done with really important health equity lens as well. Well, it's not like you don't have giant benchmarks that you're, I mean, you that's a lot. <laughs> it is a lot. Yeah. These are long-term goals and the work has already begun, but those are the important things to improve the health of Michigan and, and build a healthier state. Do you think that we in general have gotten the idea of our hospital heroes? I mean, the people on the front line, is that, are you seeing that inspire others as a trickle down to people who are now going into nursing school, et cetera? Because if you're looking for health and the next generation. Are you mm -hmm. finding that inspiration there or is that message not quite connected yet? You know, that's a great question. I do know that we are trying to tell those stories because mm. taking on a career in healthcare is not just a job. It's something that you have a passion for and it really provides a career path, not just yeah. a temporary position. And, you know, these are jobs that pay well, they stay in Michigan and they are in high demand. So uh, we really want to tell the stories of our caregivers and hope that that does inspire people. We're going to be trying to find out in the next several months what is our need? How many nurses do we need? How many doctors do we need? How many uh, nurse assistants and medical assistants? Mm -hmm. There's all sorts of opportunities that are a career path. So we're going to dig into that data uh, and really be pushing those. You know, there are job fairs at every hospital going on right now. Yeah. So if, if anyone's looking for a really rewarding career experience, you know, that's the place to go. So what is the connection and the relationship with Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan and the MHA? How has that really been honed and how do you see it affecting the near term and the future? Yeah, so we've been great partners with Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan for about 15 years now. The Keystone Center for Patient Safety and Quality is the area of the MHA that works on improving the quality of care and the safety of care provided to patients and mm. to caregivers in the hospital. And Blue Cross has provided a tremendous amount of funding over the years to support those efforts. And that just got renewed last week, uh, a new $5 million investment coming from Blue Cross over to the Keystone oh. Center, which we are incredibly grateful for. And that's going to support some really important work in the areas of maternal health and, again, substance use and some other really critical areas of need. So it's a strong relationship and we're thrilled to keep it going. Well, we're thrilled you're doing what you do because I'm getting older. So I'm just saying I'm going to need somebody <laughs> else to help me somewhere along the way. So Ruth Ann Sutter, it's good to have you with us. Thank you for having me. Thanks for dropping by. Absolutely. And finally, Regional Chief Executive Officer for the American Red Cross of Michigan, Mary Lynn Foster. Marilyn Foster, who's the Regional Chief Executive Officer for Michigan, the American Red Cross of Michigan. It's good to see you. You too, Chuck. Thanks so yeah. much for having me. Oh, we're glad that you're here and able to drop by. You've got so many moving parts to the Red Cross, right? You've got blood donation. You've got moving the blood from one place to another. Explain what's happened during this pandemic season with the Red Cross. Well, the good news is the Red Cross has never closed throughout yeah. the pandemic. We are an essential business. So we have just continued to operate as we are able with some modifications. So you mentioned blood drives. We yeah. supply 40% of the nation's blood supply. A lot of people don't know that. And during the pandemic, so many of our corporate sponsors canceled. So we had to find creative ways to continue to host mm -hmm. our blood drives. So be socially distant, make sure we're taking all of the safety precautions. But the good news is we have been able to meet all of the needs for blood drives. 
Yeah. So that's been fantastic. And when you talk about sponsors, are you talking about locations where those drives may have occurred, either a business or a church or something? Because a lot of those places close temporarily. Absolutely. Yeah. So we just, you know, reached back out into the community to find out where else we could host drives and where we were able to, we're there. Well, and then you've got to be creative, I suspect, in a few ways, even with volunteers and staff, right? Yes, we do, because yeah. a lot of our volunteers and staff have health concerns that we need to be aware of. Our number one priority of the American Red Cross is the safety of our workforce. Mm -hmm. That includes our paid staff and our volunteer staff. A lot of people don't know that our workforce is really volunteer-led. 90% of our staff are volunteers, Yeah, which throughout this pandemic has made a huge difference. But so many volunteers want to help the American Red Cross and it's been wonderful to work with them. And yet in this pandemic season, we've also seen multiple disasters. And all you have to do is see it flash by on the screen. And there's the Red Cross there as well. You're not taking donations of blood. You're there to help. So it, you've got inbound and you've also got the outbound goodness that you're doing too. Absolutely. Yeah. For example, in Michigan today, in Southeast Michigan, we're monitoring the weather yeah. and the flooding that is happening in Southeast. But on the same token, I have staff and volunteers who are out West helping with mm. the wildfires down South that folks are helping with Hurricane Ida. And we are a little bit of a weather business. We yeah. preposition assets and people where needed because the American Red Cross needs to be there when the community needs us. Yeah. So let me make no assumptions. So explain to us during this pandemic season that we hope we're coming out of, did you see less demand for blood? Because we were hearing stories that there are less elective surgeries or fewer people going to the ER maybe. But has that really been something that you saw from your end? Initially, yes. Ah. Because so many of those elective surgeries did cancel. Mm -hmm. So that helped in one regard. But then as things were starting to turn, and folks were getting vaccinated, then that increased tremendously. There always is a need for blood. And uh, so we encourage everyone to, if you're healthy and able to donate blood because it's fungible yeah. and it has a very short shelf life. Mm -hmm. So we there's always a constant need for blood. So I gave blood during the pandemic, but let me ask a new question because I honestly don't know. My wife and I have had COVID. What does that mean that we should do anything differently to offer the Red Cross because we had it in November. That's okay. Well, first of all, thank you for donating blood oh, well, during sure. the pandemic. Yeah. We appreciate that. Every pint really makes a difference. Secondly, the fact that you had COVID does not preclude you from donating again. Does it help in any other different way because we may have antibodies? Should we be giving a different thing or planning for more time? We used to, we are no longer, okay. but we were testing blood for the antibodies. Yeah but we are no longer okay. working with the FDA okay. on that. So if anyone is like me, doing okay now, we can give blood yes. anytime. And we encourage you to do so. Yeah. As you're looking toward the end of this calendar year now, what are you working on as you start to see light, not just over my shoulder and having people around us, but seeing light at the end of the tunnel for the pandemic? What's going to change or maybe shift a bit? Well, what we are doing now during the pandemic for disasters, a lot of what we were doing daily was virtual. A lot of folks don't know that in Michigan throughout the state, we respond every single evening to home fires. Mm -hmm. That's what we do in Michigan. And a lot of that had to be virtual. So you may say, well, what does that look like? Yeah. So meeting people on front porches by tablet through phone, 
any way that you know we could get to them and get them the needs uh you know whatever the needs were to help whether it be feeding oh, or sheltering. interesting yeah uh, but we are now shifting what's different is we're now shifting back to that in-person disaster response which is terrific that we're able to do that yeah we are still following all of the cdc protocols and shelters and you know of course to maintain the safety but you know with what's different is we're shifting back but this is the height of disaster season for the Red Cross. We just don't know what's going to happen next. Mm -hmm. We are a, a preparedness organization. So we always need to make sure that we have our staff and volunteers ready to go at any moment. And so are you also learning, could there be a hybrid to this approach for helping people on the front porch that one person shows up, but with that iPad, they can find the local hotel blankets, food. Are you able to use some of what you've learned and move forward with it? Yes, wow. absolutely. Yeah. This has been a lessons learned that, uh, you know, we were doing 100% virtual. Now we are uh, back to 100%, uh, hopefully, yeah. except in some rural areas in person. But where needed, we are adopting that hybrid approach. And is there anything else that you can tell us the Red Cross is helping uh, move forward to a a Michigan with more health and wellness then? Anything that you've learned now or that you're moving toward in the future? Well, we continue to offer our health and wellness classes. Okay. So, you know, we continue to train first aid, CPR, yeah. those classes, those critical classes we're still offering from a other health perspective. Just really encourage everyone to donate blood if you're healthy and, and able to do so. And if you want to volunteer, and if you're that person that would like to volunteer, we have a continuing need for volunteers in Michigan and beyond. The best way is to just visit our website, redcross.org, and it's all there. Well, you know, I would think that that's a, a wonderful thing for a lot of people to think about because you've got so many people that have verbally said to you, friends and neighbors, I wish I knew what I could do with myself. Well. There you go. Check out the website. Well, and there are virtual opportunities to volunteer now also. Uh -huh. You don't have to necessarily deploy yeah. across yeah. the country or even down the street. If you're comfortable doing it from home, we can set you up in that manner as well. All right. So it's not like we got a guy. We've got a lady. Her name is Mary Lynn Foster, who's encouraging all of us and so many great different off-ramps with the Red Cross that we can think about. Good to see you. You too. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to a Healthier Michigan podcast brought to you by Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan. If you like our show and you want to know more, check us out online at ahealthiermichigan.org slash podcast or leave us a review or rating on iTunes or Stitcher. To get new episodes on your smartphone or tablet, be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app.